California students have some of the lowest test scores in the country. More than 200,000 California drivers are set to lose their carpool lane privileges. And a rail project that's going to transport you from Southern California to Las Vegas. That's what's coming up in this week's episode of California Streaming. You're listening to the California Streaming Podcast with Bobby, Jonathan, and Louie. We're just three conservative friends trying to provide some counterbalance in one of the most liberal states in the union. So let's hop on our magic choo-choo train to nowhere and talk some California politics. Good evening, guys. Hey, everybody. Dodger baseball is oh, in the we're air. feeling it tonight. It's true. This is, uh, we're recording it. It's going to drop tomorrow. Right. Gonna, but we're watching the Dodger game right now as we speak as we're doing this show. Tonight is game one of the World Series. You guys can't see this, but I have got a perfect view you do have of the television. View. I got yeah. where I'm recording. I end up with the worst view. It's true, but I we worked out hand signals so I can kind of flash him to Louie so he knows what's going on in the game. It's like Count as two and three. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So if you hear us kind of scream or get excited, that doesn't make sense for what we're talking about to get that excited, then that's why we're watching the Dodgers. Yeah, I don't know if any of the uh, topics today would get me that excited. <laughs> right. But yeah. they're all so interesting. Come on. But not as interesting as Dodgers versus Red Sox. No, of course well, not. Well, since we're on the topic of sports. Okay. Are we throwing away the Lakers season already? No. Because of the fight? Oh. Is, no, because they can't get start. a win. Yeah, they can't get a win. No. I, they've got LeBron. And yeah. even, I mean, he's even talking about we got to gel, right? It takes time. Well, the guy to, didn't play any preseason games. I mean, he doesn't even know how to play with these guys yet. <laughs> it's kind of like the Patriots. Everyone throws them out in September every year, and then they end up battling their way into the playoffs. Yeah. It's I mean, their warm-up. They just take some time to dial in. There's a lot of games in the NBA season. That's true. That's true. All right. Where are we going? Boy, the first topic. I'm not sure we've done... We I know we've done some discussions about uh, education in California before, but this one comes about because there was a... M- quote, massive new K through 12th report that uh, that offered some findings for the education system in California. Did they cherry pick? This, this report was massive. I tried to start sifting through all of it, but it was, um, yeah, it was big. This comes from the website Cal Watchdog, uh, I think which is calwatchdog.com or org, but yeah, uh, the the title of the report, there was one that came out a few years back, and so this one is called Getting Down to Facts 2 was led by Stanford Associated Researchers. It uh, just got released in September. And basically, the study faulted the state for committing to help struggling schools and minority neighborhoods by increasing funding, but not addressing the frequency with which these schools were staffed with early career teachers. So now this is uh, they're starting to kind of uh, center on the facts of, which seems to be the classic issue in California with education is teachers' union, teachers, and and their role in the classroom versus what the classrooms really need. Boy, we could take this in a whole bunch of directions, including you know movie the movie Waiting for Superman. I'm sure you guys oh, sure. Have we seen love it. that movie, right? Um, and let's see, there there were some interesting findings. Um, I looked for some you know some more hard conclusions from it, but nonetheless, I found some interesting findings that. Uh, they kind of break down how things are going in the state in terms of demographics, et cetera, for our schools. So English learners um, compose 21% of California students. So, I mean, I guess right in a general sense, 20 over a f- one-fifth of the students in California schools are 
trying to learn English. I English guess, is, is a second, second language. language. Yeah. Right. Okay. Right. More than any other state in the nation. Now that doesn't shock me. I don't know. I don't know about you guys, but just given our d- demographics and the influx. No, I mean, well, the, it doesn't shock me because we guarantee an education for everybody, right? And that's right. Who you are, you come to school to learn English. But I also think that. I feel like that data can also be probably stretched out a lot. Exactly. I would agree. Um, But, you know, from a broad stroke perspective, it's hard to argue with how that doesn't make it more challenging in our state to to compete and compare with other states in their public education system, right? We have – that's a pretty big – You've got this uh, task hurdle. Right. Yeah, exactly. In in your path, and you got to figure out a way to make all the – Numbers come out nice and neat. No, that's right. I'm I'm thinking about it from other states. It's already a challenge probably more so than ever in this day and age with cell phones and distractions and things that kids could be doing. You're trying to motivate them in general, right, to, to love learning. Now you're trying to motivate them to love learning while getting them to understand the language in which you're trying to motivate them to love learning. Like that's a doubly difficult task. I'm going to... Take the unpopular position. No, no, hit it. And beat up on teachers. Oh, yeah. That, that is quite unpopular. <laughs> You're never right, going to win this continue. argument. I'm yeah. never going to win it, but I, I'll, I'll go out on a limb with it. Please. I, I, I'm a private school kid. Oh, no, same here. I'll, 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 I, uh, I'm a fan of vouchers. I'm the public school kid. Okay. Yeah, You're the public school kid. Good. Also the ESL kid. <laughs> <So> <laughs> you might I'll share the you a story in a minute. Oh, I can't wait I'll to hear that story. I, I, think, I think there's a couple fold issue here. I think, first of all, you've got, you have poor educators out there. I can probably count on one hand how many awesome teachers I had. Yeah. Teachers get tenure, which is supposed to secure their teaching environment because there's, it's kind of like the Supreme Court. There's no fear of getting ousted, so to speak, right? So in that you get freedom, but I think at the same time, it makes it extremely difficult to get rid of bad teachers. Let me stop. Quick question. In, are you referring to your experience in private school? Because, I mean, I, I'm remembering mine. I don't remember them. Uh, granted, I was a kid, but in private school, there wasn't, was, was there the concept of tenure? Oh, I'm, just saying, I'm just saying teachers in general. Of course. Okay. I got it. Right. I, I well, didn't know if you were referencing well, your... well, tenure, that was, you know, to protect teachers and right. free institutions. institutions. Yeah. Well, well, they were making the assertion that the earth went around the sun. You know, <laughs> that's why they needed to protect them. Like, wait a minute. We need to. Right. But now you've got these. Here. Liberal indoctrination centers. Right. And it's it's hard to get rid of bad teachers. And then it ends up being, you know, I guess you could say subjective. But I think we'd agree that there's there are a large quantity of bad teachers out there or people that probably shouldn't be teaching. And, again, I'm, I'm, it's just I think it falls also in... Just general demographics. I mean, there's me, good. There's good ones too. There is, but I think this goes all the way from. I'll take it from kindergarten through university. T- totally, totally. Uh, the amount of life changing instruction I had, and I went to public college and I went to private middle school. Same here. Or yeah, through the yep. whole gambit. Not a lot of teachers really blew me away. Okay, and so I look at that. And I look at everyone talks about underpaid. Underpaid, underpaid. Yes, you right? that's that's a common deal. And that there's not enough money to put into the schools. And if we just give it a little bit more money, we'll get better instruction. And right now, if teachers want to blame anybody, it's not the taxpayer, it's the administrators. Because 
<laughs> the data I pulled. Yeah, I, I've got some numbers too. Well, I'm curious. Say, there's there's basically one administrator for every instructor. Unbelievable. I was going to say this is the Caltrans plan. If exactly. we just keep giving them more money, we'll get better roads out of it, right? Right. And so I say, okay, well, the issue here is that your money is going to administrators, right? It's not that the taxpayers aren't giving enough. It's that that money isn't being directed in the appropriate spots. Efficiently deployed. Oh, right. Yeah, totally. I mean, that, that's what it comes down to. Right. Because, I mean, we can all pretty much understand that I don't think the government spends money wisely anywhere. Right. From a high, le- from a high level perspective... What incentive do they have to spend it more efficiently, right? That's the, that's the base question. And there is none. There is none, right? Because there's no, there's no, if you can't get fired and there's really no overall assessment of the system, the system, the system feeds itself negatively because as long as there's not enough money, there's an excuse for it being terrible, Exactly. Right, because it, the money is always the scapegoat, is the problem, and it's like Caltrans. Imagine a world where every road got fixed, or the well, the ultimate defense when you're looking at the perspective of the teachers' unions and, and defenders of our public institutions. Right. So I think it was Time did a big thing on a expose on teachers okay. and being underfunded okay. recently, and they had a teacher, a photo of a teacher in a classroom. And it was this instructor's got a master's degree and all this stuff and is basically blah, making blah, less blah. than the guy at McDonald's. Yep. So then my other point is, and we've talked about this previously, and I'll actually join your ranks on this one. Okay. Perhaps we have required too much certification of teachers. Okay, back, what, back to that discussion. Right. What does a master's of ed get you? Right. Basically nothing. Right. Yeah. Right. So now you've racked up fifty grand in master loans to come back to be an elementary school teacher. And still make elementary school teacher wages. You're still more highly educated than the school children, right? Hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully. But I mean, it, it's one of those degrees that is, is looked upon to promote that doesn't really actually give you anything. Here's, here's some, the one statistic I pulled in terms of cost. And I get it. A lot of these float out there. A lot of people want to slice and dice it in different ways. So I'm sure this one could get argued with. But but I think this trend is true. Apparently in 2014, uh, we were spending about $13,000 per pupil on in, for public education. That's up from 1970 of $6,000 per pupil, and that is inflation adjusted. So, so don't use that as the argument that, well, of course, everything has risen in cost. That's removing so inflation. 1970 was 6 k and That's today right. it's thirteen. So we're spending more than double after adjusting for inflation, and scores have stayed exactly the same. Right. That's a disaster. Well, what point do we say? There's just not good instruction, <laughs> right? Well, I think right. the statistics prove that. I mean, I, I saw a study in 2014-15 where only half of the graduates were college preparatory ready. Right. They just they weren't ready. They, right. they just got a diploma and they, they couldn't go to college even if they wanted to. Yeah, and I think further in the article, it what was it talking about? I was further in the article, it went into all sorts of uh, bringing education to the local level, 
Oh right, and, right, and of course. And is that the the solution? Keeping or, the or, money out of Sacramento. If right. I pay for taxes here in Santa Barbara, the money only stays in Santa Barbara for schools. Blah blah. blah. Right, but then you know, and I agree with that. But it also made a point of you kind of lose your span of control, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. If you have a thousand different districts doing their own thing, so that, that's a bad thing from whose perspective? Well, no, right, right, no, exactly, but right. I think when you start getting to the top level of the <laughs> right. of the org chart, Uncle Jerry doesn't like that idea, right? Right. Obviously. Well, and we saw this uh, a couple episodes ago talking about the school start time. And, oh, yeah. And he actually stepped that one back, yeah, and put it into the hands of the union, the, oh. the, no, <laughs> the local districts of start when you want to start. Why does Sacramento need an edict for when you sh- your school should start? Here's two more statistics. I, get, I think back to the topic of the innate headwind that we have in this state, you know, probably relative to other states. Uh, about one in five school children live in poverty. Uh, the, you I know, believe I that. The national poverty level. We have a fifth of our yeah. students live in it's poverty. California. Welcome to right? California. And then the last one goes exactly along with this, although it's a bigger percentage. More than 60% of the students are eligible for the free or reduced price meals. Now, I don't know the exact level that they set as to when someone qualifies. And so obviously if, if California sets that level like absurdly high for a household income or something, then of course a lot of people will qualify. I, I don't know that level, but in general, we're talking, those are big numbers. Well, I wonder too, how much the data is skewed by bringing in these impoverished exactly. children, right? Exactly. Who, who don't know English, who, you know, they come into the classroom and then it's not like they go into their own class. I mean, they're just dispersed with the normal population. Right. How much of 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 being all inclusive just drags down the score? I mean, and I'm not saying that's a negative thing or a positive thing, but I'm wondering from a from a data perspective, what I mean, are we just diluting the data? Right? I mean, that that's the bone I'll throw to my Bad instructors comment, right? Is it, <laughs> right. Do we just not have, you know, especially if you take like a LAUSD, which is massive okay. in Los Angeles, and they span, I mean, LA in general just spans from from rich to poor and everything uh, right. in between. Right, you're going to see everything. Right. So, I mean, t- there's the, obviously kind of made famous, well, the area made famous in the TV show, but there's like a Beverly Hills Public oh, yeah. high school, right? Yeah, well, totally. There's no way that that's the same experience. Oh yeah, as being a, down <laughs> south, right. South LA or something like right. that. Right. Uh, I I do think, I think part of it too is there's probably more hands off parents these days. I'll throw that out there too. You also have teachers trying hey, to be. You don't need two parents. One right. is enough. Okay. Right, but yeah, and I think if your parents and you're not uh, into your children's education, they're not going to do well. Or you don't have the time to invest as much as you'd like to right. into their education. Right. Because there's you, that too. You're a single parent. Yeah. You're working yeah. hard. Yeah. Boy, if you if you had a stay-at-home parent, I'm sure they could invest a whole bunch of time in their child's education. You would hope. You would hope. Right. But I think you're also seeing a bigger move towards people going to the homeschool route or like a hybrid kind of homeschool cohort type deal. It's funny you say that. Um because from one statistic, and granted it's a little old, but I doubt it's reversed. From what you guys just said, I, that's also including public teachers themselves. 
I read a study from the Fordham Institute in 2004 that said that 21.5% of urban public school teachers sent their kids to private school. Over a fifth. I mean, aren't, I mean when you are, look at politicians, they do the same exact <laughs> thing, right? Right, but aren't these the people that, A, are supposedly touting the excellence of their own product? I mean, a fifth is... Don't a, trust someone that doesn't use their own product. <laughs> yeah. right? A fifth is a big number. That's actually a huge stat. I, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. I was yeah. believable I was, though, right? Because again, you start to lump in po- politicians as a great. Well, okay, man. and I'm also going to say this is a hard one too because there's probably a lot more, a lot more schools in areas that maybe aren't great areas than there are in areas that are nice. Okay, right. I'm just okay. going to. I wonder where Maxine Waters here. kids went. <laughs> exactly. That's but, a great. But if you're a right. teacher teaching in an impoverished area or the ghetto or something like that. Yep. You're not going to send your kids there. Nope. Right. And understandably, no, understandably, but I guess there's a lot of variables here. You can only send your, you're confined to the school for which you live, right? Like in the area you live. So if you happen to live in an area with bad schools, unless you forge utility bill or you go to grandma or your aunt and uncle's house and use that utility bill and shuffle yourself around the school system, I think that was a storyline right, in, in Beverly Hills 90210, the TV show. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. Right? But so you always end up being stuck in the district you live in, which may or may not be a good school. Okay. So I don't know. I was going to switch it here for a second, but, but unless you guys had another point. Well, I was going to go into the graduation rates. I oh, mean, no, in, the go, study, yeah, yeah, go. in the study, they said that you know we're experiencing greater uh, graduation rates, and it's as a result of rising... Mm, funds into the teachers pay and all the school boards and all that jazz aren't these i'm sorry go yeah on. but i say it's to the contrary and the reason why i say that is because back in 2015 we did senate bill 172 which was the suspension of the california high school exit exam <laughs> right so that's what came to like we're lowering the bar we lowered so, the so bar if the bar is now super low a lot more people can graduate oh of course the you weren't required to do this exam to prove that you have the qualifications to get a high school diploma. So therefore they just gave it to you because you sat in the seat boy, and you managed to get D's at least in every class. Wow. Well, again, I'm going to go back. I threw a bone there, but I'm going to go back and say, when's the last time you heard of a teacher get fired for non-fiscal reasons? Oh, no, that doesn't happen. Right? I mean, even when they do something bad. I mean, predatory stuff. Predatory stuff. They go into what we call teacher jail, right? Yeah. Uh, They still get paid. Rubber room or what? uh, Lemons or... Yeah. uh, You go into this kind of purgatory area where you still get paid, and then it may result in your termination. It may not. But I feel like like schools are where, like, if you want to design a system based on mediocrity, that's where it happens. I mean... The only time you hear of layoffs or somebody getting fired is because of fiscal reasons. In any other job, if you don't perform, you get fired. I think that's, yeah, for me, you are touching on the number one uh, irritation with the whole deal. You know, someone made the point, when you think about it, there's virtually no other sector, uh, service, what have you, where we consider uh, competition, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to okay. lump it in, um, as a bad thing, except this. Right. 
Right. Um, people, people love the fact that Amazon's on the scene. And if that means they don't go to Macy's or Best Buy, great, whatever, because Amazon's better. I can get it cheaper. They love competition. Right. Understandably so. Yet something changes when we talk about education. Why? Well, well, and we force people into specific schools based on where they live. Right. Like, you don't even get freedom of choice within the public schools. Right. Well, when it comes to all social programs, and this is universal, when it comes to social programs, the government can never admit that their experiment failed. That's, that's true. Okay. And this is always the problem with every single social program. They're still clinging on to D.A.R.E., and that's, like, used as an example of failed programs in every public policy class. <laughs> exactly. Rem- I remember D.A.R.E. So it's always a progress of fixing the problem, fixing and fixing and fixing. And then they got new formulas, and they bring in new people and new consultants. And Common they- core. Exactly. They can never, you know, admit to them that they failed, and they should try a whole different avenue of... Well, free market. Yeah. So here, okay. The, you you led perfectly into where I was saying earlier. I wanted to just kind of pose this question. So you guys are given the magic wand. You get to wave it. Things can change. My sound effect. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. We're in we're in magic wand world. Thank you, thank you. Uh, and it can be, and again, it can be a really broad stroke. What do you do, right? If you could start implementing stuff tomorrow. What, what's, what, in your opinion, is some of the better things? I mean, I'm thinking about everything from online seems pretty appealing, and I know that there's some schools that are starting to crop up online. Do you allow vouchers? You know, all these sorts of things get discussed. I think I would address it like, like a business. Figure out what your key performance indicators are, right? Where do you want to be for all these classes? The da- KPI dashboard. KPI dashboard. And... You, does anybody ever read the end of class surveys, right? Because uh, there's people got it uh, in college. There was people you would hammer on those surveys, how awful they were, and they were back the next year, oh, right? Because tenure protects them. So even though you fill out the little survey or your, you know, your course review, nothing actually ever happens with it because the teacher's protected. So it doesn't matter, right? I think that these these uh, instructors should be evaluated. On a regular basis. Are you even teaching the curriculum? Are you teaching it well? And I think part of the other issue is who's developing the damn curriculum, right? So it sounds like at the at the bare minimum, severing any and all sorts of employment protection. Look, John, you teach algebra. Okay. okay? You have 30 students this year. Okay. And 20 of them look awful in the testing, standardized testing. Got it. But what about the... Welcome art- back next year. <laughs> right i okay devil's advocate you got the teachers the the, the the common complaint about the sort of system you're talking about is but but i've been assigned to south compton high okay and there's no way that i can get all 30 students i mean i th- th- those that's the hand i've been dealt how can you that, that's unfair to expect me to compete with a teacher who is in the suburbs of woodland hills i totally agree with you john okay and that's a very valid point you're fired no (laughs) okay that's fine um you knew that getting into it and if i give you a bigger check how's that going to fix the situation oh but it will how trust me how trust me right because 
Well, well, let me because I I totally get that. Look, I'm a great teacher, but you put me in the ghetto, right, but and they, you gave me a bunch of kids that don't want to learn. Isn't that the and, isn't that I the do. reason? And I totally agree with that. But a you knew that going into it, right? Because you were able to give me that scenario. That's like a scenario we're all familiar with, of course. And b how is money going to fix that problem? Let me jump in right right where at that moment, okay? Because I was going to say, here's my magic jump wand in. moment, and uh, Japanese model, okay. Everybody goes to elementary school. Work 20 hours a day. No, no, no. Everybody goes to elementary school, okay? But after you get out of elementary school, you need to take an exam, and then from that exam, they're going to focus on how, how well you did. These, these exams matter because then they're going to start segregating you. Whoa, whoa. Segregating they're gonna, they're gonna you. They're going to do what? Used the S word. Segregating you into different models of courses. Bobby, Bobby we're all... Yeah, that's not cool. Mm-hmm. We we are all unique flowers. Well, see, we that's the problem that we valuable. have. We're all valuable, Bobby. That's the problem that we have right there. Is that people believe that children are are late bloomers and they're going to get their uh, stuff together, their act together, their act together. Thank you very much. And they're going to figure it all out, and then eventually they're going to be an Albert Einstein. Okay, but in the Japanese model, they start segregating you. Now, it's not so. Um, drastic in the junior high aspect, but once you get into high school, if you're in a good high school, it's because they're preparing you for college. Gotcha. If you're in a middle grade high school, it's because they're getting you ready for the workforce. Okay, and if you're in a really bad high it's school, they don't expect much of you at all. <laughs> <laughs> they already have a cell reserved. For they you. do. Yeah, they they've figured it out. <laughs> Okay, if you want to get into a higher, you know, level of high school, yeah, how do I level you gotta, up? You got to work on it. You you got to work on it. That's on you. It's a personal responsibility. I mean, if you go on the internet, you could take a look and they go, "Oh man, why are they trying so hard for this exam?" And like they have these our version of the SATs, if you will, right? And but they you get placed into special schools, and it will affect your career long term. Okay. Okay. I like that model. It's interesting. Yeah. Right? Because I, I'm trying to figure out what, how more money fixes the system when most of the money already in the system is going to administrators. And better yet, it's, it's, you get that better high school, the ones that are preparing for college. Those kids want to be there. They want to learn. You're not going right. to have detractors, you know, doing gang signs, <laughs> I know, <laughs> beating I, up know, kids. I think all three of us would agree what we're really looking for, at least give us give us a little bit of sign that you're starting to use the money more efficiently. And that doesn't just apply to schools. That applies to Caltrans. It applies to all this stuff, right? Something like Bobby just mentioned, okay, you could even keep the budget the same. That's probably starting to use it more efficiently. Just start doing some of that stuff. Right. But there's no sign of that happening. So there you go. <laughs> Okay. Well, Boston's up one nothing. Yeah. It's early. Good thing my back's to the television. It is a good thing. We got to update you. Okay. So this one was, uh, well, interesting is another word. Um, There is anger in California's carpool lanes as more than 200,000 drivers are set to lose decals. So here's the deal. From the Mercury News, nearly 224,000 solo drivers stand to lose their green and white carpool stickers permanently on January 1st. Uh, 
in a seismic shakeup of the rules governing diamond lanes. Others will be unable to get new red replacement stickers because their incomes will be too high. Okay. And so yeah, that, that part was. Oh, no, no. This, this, yeah, this is just get, This is gold. And some express carpool lanes might require three or more people to ride free, while vehicles with two people inside may have to pay but at a discount. The new rules come courtesy of the state legislature and the Air Resources Board, which are trying to address in part just how jammed with traffic carpool lanes have become. Wow, a lot of stuff in there. Um, so for I, I just want to start income. off by saying, but right before that, uh, everybody who got involved in this knew that it was going to expire January 1 of 2019. That was the sunset on the whole program from the very beginning. It's fair. So this isn't... But I'm fair. special. But this, I'm cleaning the earth. So this isn't a... All of a sudden, it's no, being no, cut. No, to- totally fair. This was the sunset on the original program years ago. Proceed. Okay. So, uh, as it goes, uh, the air quality board, $150,000. That's the limit for a personal, single person on whether or not you qualify for this red sticker. Okay. Okay. And 204 for, for a head of household. That's right. Head of household. And 300 dude. for a joint. Okay. Not, not, I forget where I'm no, going. No, I, not I, well, that kind of I, I, joint. I got it. Got it. Well, uh, only those people can, married income. filing jointly. Only those people can afford a Tesla. I'm just going to say that out loud. Expensive ass car, right? But okay, let's let's talk about a carpool lane because that's really what this. Oh please, that's really what we're talking about in this segment. Okay, totally. Let's imagine that there's a four lane highway. Got it. One of those. Uh, lanes is an HOV, high occupancy vehicle lane. Okay. Okay. If you change it to a carpool lane, which is what they're talking about, you remove one fourth of the available lanes in the freeway to accommodate how many people? That, which is statistically, the, right? It, it's only like less than a percent because you're doing a bus, you're doing something else. I don't know. Pick something that you're doing, right? Carpooling. They got rid of carpools. Right. They want the the sticker. You you know what stat blew me away? I didn't even know it was a stat. The feds require that diamond lanes move an average of 45 miles per hour during peak commute times. What? And Caltrans says we only meet that benchmark 32% of the time. That 32% seems high. <laughs> yeah. I, I have to believe that's fudged because if you go down to LA or the no. Bay during rush hour, no. Even the diamond land is moving. Oh, no. like the same speed as everybody else. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, though no, that's way high. Yeah i I thought thirty two first the requirement blew me away, but then the thirty two percent blew me away. Well, if we're if we're if we're looking to ease congestion, then wouldn't we want more people run, uh, running their engine at peak efficiency, at best? So bring back that eliminate that carpool lane. That way we don't have to keep shifting around our vehicles and slowing ourselves down. I heard an interesting thing that the carpool lane was meant to reduce the amount of drivers. Sure. So it should be your two or three person requirement should be licensed drivers in the vehicle, not you and your child, because that's your twelve okay. year old kid doesn't Can't reduce drive. any drivers on the freeway. That's an that's an interesting argument. Right. Yep. I mean, I guess it, what, what's the crux that we're after on it? 
See, this isn't going to sound surprising coming from me, but I read an article like this, and you start to wonder, behind the curtain of all this, right, is a program that they're overlaying to try and shoehorn people into doing what they want them to do. Mind control. No. I mean, they're very (laughs) clear that the original intent of this program was to get more clean vehicles on the roads, right? But the discrepancy or where this doesn't square up for me is whether I had a clean vehicle or not, I paid taxes that went to Caltrans to build the freeway. Right. And to build a special lane. Correct. For other jackasses. So... We might have to bleep you out on that. (laughs) So, so where does it lie in all this that I spent them? I helped spend or or raise the money to to build the freeway, and now after I built it, they look at me and say, "Oh, that's great. We appreciate that." Now, unless you have an electric vehicle, you can't drive on one quarter. To use Bobby's Mm -hmm. four lane example, one quarter of what you helped build. Well, how 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 does that? Here's my question to you, because I'm curious what your yeah stance would be on the expressways they've been adding where they take the carpooling and they convert it into something you pay extra to travel yeah, on. Exactly. Um so I I've been on the one in the riverside. That's a fee grab to me. It's a fee grab it's and a it's total, more expensive during you know right. high high Yeah demand. and I've been on the the one ten harbor freeway through LA has it too now. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which I'll pay oh, a I couple that. bucks to bypass traffic. Sure, yeah. But it speaks to the same principle. Now, I get like a lot of toll roads because a lot of toll roads like through Orange County are actually quasi-private enterprises. Exactly. Uh, the, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Right. Um, e, uh, the, one, the one that goes east of Costa Mesa, east of Irvine. The 73. Thank you, 73. Is, you know, it's, it's a toll road. basically a yeah. private road yeah. that you pay for. I totally get that if my taxes didn't go to pay it. Exactly. Uh, See, that's where this gets murky, right? I think charge tolls, the expressway problem to me is, again, it got paid for by by taxpayer dollars. Now we need more money as the state. Oh, well, let's just lump a fee on it. And that's why I think of it as a fee grab instead of... Right. And I would get if... <laughs> and there's just there's no way to even put this on paper if they said look john we're gonna build this highway with taxpayer money yeah but we're gonna save taxpayer money by only building it for half of what it would cost and the other half would be subsidized by the travelers right if they could show me the segregated accounting and the fact that the fees you collected would not be going to the general fund right you might you might start to convince me and I could square that up. This would normally cost us one billion to build, but we're gonna do it for five hundred million because the other five hundred is gonna come from toll fees. Got it. There's there's zero <laughs> way to <laughs> of even course. That's display just, that on paper. Yeah, that's uh that's just not And we happen. know that's not what happens. Nothing gets built efficiently. You know, and I I'm curious to see what you guys think. I get the flip side argument that says Yeah. That 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 says, okay. Let's say you you privatize all roads. All roads get constructed privately, and then you have um, tolls, right? That's how they get right. It's a in order to make it a net present value positive project. They know the tolls they're going to charge going out into the future, and so it's worth them building the road. But now that's a there's a regressiveness to the road usage, right? Right. That that's going to skew where people can live, etc. What are your thoughts? Well. 
when it comes to you know roads, bridges, and many utilities, we obviously can't have two or three of anything. So if you want to get from city A to city B, there's probably only going to be one road, one highway. Okay. I mean, I mean, could, I follow what you're saying. Well, a lot of I mean, places could, have like the main thoroughfare, and then you've got like loops and oh, you okay. know, the outliers. Yeah. Yep. And here's a fun little fact: that's part of the numbering scheme. So, like, the ten would be the main road through, and yeah. the two ten would be the outlier, right? So that's kind of how the interstates are set up. I see. The four hundred five is a bypass of five. the five, right? It, it, that's right. It, technically, up north of LA, it splits off and then right. comes back to it down. Right. Yeah, interesting. And it's to give you other routes, but uh, well, yeah. you know, I heard an interesting thing years ago that a lot of this would be for emissions and for easing some of the traffic, especially through the metro areas like LA, that a lot of the traffic and uh, emission issues are actually a result of trucks, like tractor trailer trucks. Mm -hmm. And they had talked about putting a desert port, like in Lancaster or Palmdale, where that's actually where you'd go and they'd rail it down to Long Beach or San Pedro. Instead of people picking up or truckers picking up down in Long Beach and then having to drive through. And vice versa, yeah, having right. to drive through right. to the port, sure. get them out driving way out towards the desert where there's nobody, and then throwing it on a rail and taking it down that way. It's interesting. Yeah. I, I mean... Like Victorville or something. Right. Something like that. Or just Palmdale, Lancaster or whatever. Yeah. Um, that is interesting. And get trucks out of the city. The other thing they say, too, in, this, um, in these reports surrounding this decal situation is they estimate and i don't know i mean i'm not obviously down on the la freeways all the time but i kind of like i'm looking you know looking in the cars they say one in four uh, vehicles are there illegally right do you Violators. believe do you, do you believe i mean you I drive, you drive it's totally worth the risk yeah that's so this is interesting because i know louie you drive in down in la a lot i've been known to dabble there you in go and out of the there, car there you go. By myself. a little swerve Oh, you don't have a uh, you know a <laughs> blow up doll <laughs> on the side passenger. You, no, you know, dabble. Yeah, I mean, at the fear of incriminating myself. No, no, I, right. But yeah, I, sometimes it's like it's flying. There's nobody in it, and the rest of the freeway sucks. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which kind of goes back to the point I was. You, know, right? you know where it gets done the most? Where? And this is a local thing, but uh, the one on one northbound at County Line, uh, Santa Barbara County Line. Yeah, coming into Carpinteria, they've had all this construction. Oh, yes, for like yes. two years now, and that freeway adds another almost hour to your commute getting from Ventura County line into Santa Barbara. Definitely, but the carpool lane you fly. So you early fly. morning commute. If sometimes <laughs> if I'm coming from L.A. Yeah. But again, if we had opened up all all lanes instead of taking one if away, if we had the bullet train, <laughs> I think. Uh, that's a nice segue. I think that's it, where it. No, totally. But one one last point, and you kind of alluded to it. Um, th there also seems like there's room. Granted, you know, you open the back to the can of all the regressive potential regressive taxation, etc. But if you could promise me that the funds were segregated, another interesting notion is basically what happens with Uber and Uber drivers and costs is you just have variable priced lanes. Right as it as it gets more and more trafficked. Yeah, what if every lane had a different price point? There you go. Again, totally. Ooh, that's kind of a cool theory. Totally interesting. If, but here's the problem: we have total breakdown in trust of the California government. But if you could somehow 
guarantee that those funds were flowing back into road improvements or new road construction, et cetera. So it's kind of its closed ecosystem. You're using it. And so the money you're paying is going to make using it better, et cetera. But the variable pricing is kind of fascinating, I think. I think too, uh, I got to find the website. There's this awesome website. It's animated and you can simulate traffic conditions. That's cool. And it shows you, you can change the density and the speed and the the randomness of drivers, and you see how it takes very little to actually halt the freeway down to a snail's pace. And a couple so, of rogue swervers, yeah, way exactly. Up in front. And so then you factor in. Well, I think a lot of traffic is the result of dumb drivers. Yeah, right. It's it's if everybody went the normal speed and you didn't have people constantly zooming back and forth through lanes, you wouldn't, one little thing causes a domino effect miles away. So I wonder if you just had faster speed limits and less off ramps. You know, I had a theory in that it's horsepower because you get to those little areas where it goes a little uphill and those cars with no horsepower tend to lose speed. And of course, you got other cars with adequate horsepower. You get this accordion effect, and you see it every single time you're going up a hill, even if it's a tiny one. Which yeah. is which is funny then because you've got competing liberal ideology because you've right. got them wanting cafe standards to have sixty mile per gallon cars, which means right. little horsepower. But then they're trying to solve traffic problems, which, if your point's true, require horsepower. Well, and you get a special sticker for having a hybrid or whatever. They had a bunch of different acronyms sure. for totally electric, half electric, yeah. whatever. But I have a car that's completely gas-powered. That's a four-banger. Nice. And it gets 45, 50 miles of the gallon. That's pretty damn efficient. Pretty good. I don't get to travel in the car plane by myself legally. But, you know, so, I mean, some of these hybrids. That, But that's, yeah, that, again. That's and when they get on the freeway, they're using their gas motor anyways. Right. <laughs> That's back to the point of it's just, it's to me, I, it's hard to see past an overlaying program that tries to skew and shoehorn people into a, an, uh, um, a segment that is desired by the California government that we may not agree with. But. Yep. But so moving on to another, our last topic, kind of a, another transportation topic. This one's just, right. any excuse to rail on. To rail the rail? Rail the rail. That's true. But I thought this one was kind of funny uh, in that we've talked about this as we've talked about the rail in the past about something that might go between the L.A. area and Vegas. That's what I want the bullet train to do. I've been talking about this for forever. I thought this was a cool little side topic. But they're screwing it up. Okay, and this is interesting. Uh, (laughs) Hold on. Let me me lay out what the, the, the thought is. So this comes from the Las Vegas Review Journal. Last week, Brightline, a privately owned and operated intercity passenger rail system serving South Florida, acquired Express West, the private venture proposal to build a high-speed rail line between Las Vegas and Southern California. And I actually remember this company. Boy, they came out maybe 10 years ago, started raising private monies, even had a, a publicly traded penny stock. And their whole notion was to actually pick up in Fullerton, which is where you okay. yeah. um, went to school. Go Titans. Yeah. Uh and they were going to pick up in Fullerton and then using that, I forget if it's Union Pacific. It's not. It's the, it's Burlington Northern. Using the other line, go out from Fullerton all the way up and then to Vegas. But uh, they didn't really make it. 
A high-speed rail line between the two areas has been discussed since the 1970s. Express West has the most recent iteration of an idea that makes sense on so many levels but hasn't been able to get to the construction phase. The LA Times said that this company, Brightline, said it would operate between Victorville and Las Vegas on a new track, new track, along the 15 freeway by 2022. Construction would start next year. Uh, last point I'll make uh, before we kind of dive in, Express West's, again, that original company, their plan for a 185-mile electric system was, even, was estimated at $7 billion. Cheap by comparison to the California High-Speed Rail Authority, $77 billion for 500 miles of track. Well, I'll let you know why it was canceled. And here, the reason why is here because we protectionism. So the previous administration only wanted American companies to uh, yes. do the high-speed rail. Right. But, of course, we have no companies here that do high-speed rails because we have no high-speed rails to begin with. They wanted to use Siemens, uh, no, not Siemens, uh, Bombardier, I think. They mm-hmm. wanted to use Bombardier rail cars, which are Canadian, I think. So, so now the, the plan is, is to use conventional trains, but they're just going to be rolling a little faster, kind of like what is going to happen with our regular California speed train bullet, if whatever it you happens. call it. If it happens 20 years from now. But the idea is that you get a dedicated line, you get a regular train, and you can run that thing pretty fast if you have all the safety requirements. Go ahead. Here's the issue. Okay. Amtrak tried to do this years ago. It would try to do what? Go from, train LA, from LA, LA to Vegas. Vegas. Okay. Right? And their issue was that it would take 7.5 hours to get there. Okay. The big problem is the Cajon Pass. Ah, uh, Yes. Right. Getting through the Cajon Pass is a problem for everybody. Geographically. Which is why this one's going to Victorville right. on the other Very side of it. Very flat. Right. Very flat. And so the, the the problem is the hardest part of the whole trip to Vegas is between here and Victorville. Right. That is the traffic, the congestion. Once you're in the middle of the desert, you're home free. So I don't know what the train is really solving because you still got to drive on the freeway to get to Victorville. You still have to you go through that time already. That aggravating time, and then you might as well just keep driving to Vegas once you get to Victorville. Uh, the issue has always been getting through the Cajon Pass, and this train is kind of it's it's uh, kind of figuring a loophole by starting the train on the other side of it. Totally fair, but I see the irony in the fact that a private company out of the gate realizes the difficulty in that. And the, at least to begin with, the stupidity in attempting that and thus sidelining that altogether versus California that starts the high-speed rail has no clue how they're going to get through the L.A. mountains yet and how much that's going to cost, but they still start the project anyways. Well, Caltrans has been working on the high desert corridor, which is from the 14 to the 18 through the Antelope Valley down in San Bernardino County. Okay. Where they're basically creating a point where everything can go through, whether it's roads, rails, all that, a way to bust through the pass and funnel everything through that. The LA Mountains, basically. Right. Okay. So interesting. That is, there's a whole website dedicated to that. And that's been, but that's been some, something going on for a while now. Yeah. Uh, I think, I think the issue is. Why would anyone want to drive a few hours to Victorville just to hop on a train it's fair. to go to Vegas? You need it to go to L.A. That's what's going to make you money. 
is if I can just go hop on a train in Los Angeles and be in Vegas in two hours, that's where the money's at. This company is trying to solve the issue for places that are too short for a plane ride, but too long to drive. That's their goal. That was their goal in Florida, is to try to solve it with high-speed rail. Basically, make, right. a, make a bridge transportation system. Exactly. Um, I don't know. I think it's Look, a great idea. I think going from LA to Vegas on a train and getting there fast, I think, is awesome. The other issue, too, is it's paralleling the 15, which some have argued make it impossible for the 15 to now expand itself. Uh, if you're going to put rail either in the median All of or a sudden, on both California, sides. Uh, the state of California is ex- worried about expanding the freeway. <laughs> and then I don't think that's going to be a problem. Plus, where would the Hyperloop go? At that point. Well, I'm glad that you brought it up because it just came out. Uh, Elon Musk, everybody's favorite bipolar crazy guy, is just announced that on December 11th, uh, they will finally be able to load people onto their own Hyperloop and go two whole miles from Crenshaw Boulevard uh, uh, underneath 120th Street and come up on, well, no, 120th Street. That's where it's going. So you're going to end up in South Central if you choose to take this little uh, <laughs> so two-mile. Well, this nobody's going to ride this thing. <laughs> well, hold on. If you got to get that It's a novelty. Miles. It's a novelty. It's going to cost you $1 to take the ride. It's just a novelty right now because that's all they've built thus far. But it's going to cost you $50 for the bulletproof vest. <laughs> right, when you get <laughs> so, off. If you can tell me where I can get a bulletproof vest for $50. There's a guy on the street, I'm sure, though. Probably. <laughs> so one thought I had, though, on this segment, similar to the previous one, because now instead of just L.A. and roads and carpool lanes, right, we're kind of expanding it to rail and we've brought in the high-speed rail. I don't think we've ever – this is just more of kind of a, a musing time. I don't think we've ever talked about, okay, you got the magic wand again. Like the, the 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 wand world. Well, there. Thank you, thank you. What? Uh, so, what do we do in terms of? There's proposals for. No, rail. I'm just here to complain. I'm not here to solve it. <laughs> but sometimes I think it's fun if you got the if you got the wand. Like I've brought this up before, and it has struck me. I'm probably missing aspects, no question. But it struck me as a pretty efficient use of taxpayer dollars. It. If you're going down this road of some sort of interconnected, high-speed, et cetera, and, which is a whole other question, but if you're going to go down this road, the whole idea of some sort of a California airline, right? We've already got airports. I understand the security aspect. That Sideline that for a second. But it would be way cheaper for California to lease or buy airplanes, take them to, and, and you show your driver's license, California driver's license, and you can fly from any of the LA airports to any of the Bay Area airports. There's flights going nonstop. That's Are you the coming whole, up with a government solution? <laughs> I'm already, I'm, I'm imagining a world where they're going to spend $70 billion, right? I still don't <laughs> think $70 billion will get us anywhere close to a high-speed rail. But $70 billion could actually go and buy things that exist and have shown to work airplanes. You just, you just want efficiency with $70 billion. That's right. Yeah. And, well, high, high speed too, right? I mean, how do you get more? Obviously, I understand the security weights, et cetera, but it's already been invented. It exists. I mean, so so I'm, I'm just thinking, what are some, are, 
people have also talked right about, I saw a company, you guys might've read this. There's a company that will pick you up somewhere in Santa Monica at like 9 PM at night and you get on the bus and you go to sleep. And when you wait, <laughs> and when you wake up, it's like, what is it? 7 AM, 6 AM in San Francisco, downtown. It's called the Greyhound. Yeah, no. Uh, well, it is a bus like Greyhound. <laughs> okay. True. But, you know, they got the beds and they got the, you know. It's like a luxury bus. It's a sleeper bus. Okay. Uh, freeway is pretty quiet at 2 a.m., right? So it's what do you care at that point if it took you right. three hours or seven? I'm going to ride the bus in my jammy jams and get over to Frisco. But are, is there, are there other things that you guys have seen or, or another one? We talked about lanes on roads earlier. I've heard people say, well, shut down a lane like the carpool, but mm-hmm. only bus, only the certain type of high-speed bus or something can, can drive in them. These sorts of articles to me, I guess what I'm getting at, just bring up out-of-the-box solutions that, again, if I had a magic wand or we had a magic wand, maybe it would be an interesting thing to... I like it. I like the solution. I, I'm, I'm a fan of it. I'm just not a fan of having to drive to Victorville to get on it. Yeah. I think if they could get it closer to the metro area, it would be a lot more traveled. It is funny that there are, there is, um, boy, this goes back to, I guess, like right-of-ways because um, the rail companies own the rail. But you do have rail that go, and I understand the Cajon Pass, and so it's a sp- the speed thing, although I don't get the sense, like you said, Bobby, that they're necessarily touting we'll be able to do it in... in- well, they're they're touting the same speeds that they get in Florida where it's like 75 normally and then okay. once they have straight open track and yeah. not in an urban area they get up to like 125 or something they like that. They can really let it go. Yeah. Right. Okay. They just don't want a 125 mile per hour train hurling into, you know, a farmers market. I think the appealing thing back in the Express West days the appealing thing to me when they laid out their plan was they were not touting high speed at all. But what they said is Look, you're going to get on the train in Fullerton. And in a lot of ways, it's like you're already in Vegas when you get on that train. Because we've got casinos that have sponsored various cars. There's going to be alcohol service. There's food service. I think it's great. I like that. Yeah. And, and so what part, of, part of what's funny is, and again, it must be a right-of-way thing, if they're not able to do it. or They're obviously very cost-conscious. So... There must be something for why they aren't utilizing the rail that does allow them to get between a Fullerton or some nearby town, nearby city, to Victorville on the rail. That I don't know. That seems like a natural because I agree with your point. If you're going to drive to Victorville, no, right. no one really wants to drive to Victorville. All right. Here's my story from the first segment. <laughs> you're going back to the first oh, segment. Wow. The first That's segment. right. You did have a story. I had a story. I remember when I was. Uh, Eight years old, I had moved to a new town, and I got into class. And for, the, for some reason, they put me in an English for second language school. And I, I didn't realize it at the time because I'd known some of the neighborhood kids. And class started. The teacher started, you know, speaking in Spanish, and we were going throughout their day. And I was like, mm-hmm. and then, I, you know, a couple minutes go by, and I go like. Why aren't we speaking English? And she looks at me and she sends me to the principal's office. And I go, what's going on? And it didn't dawn to me as I was a child, but it dawned to me afterwards. They simply looked at my last name and assigned me to a group 
classic. You were labeled? I was labeled. No. Yes. You should sue. <laughs> Triggered. Even at a young age. There you go. Are we doing it? Or are we back with it? We're back. All right. James Woods is back. The ban has been lifted. Okay. Is it time for the James Woods <laughs> Tweet of the Week? So this one, uh, MSNBC tweeted out, Beto O'Rourke's campaign has transcended politics to become something of a political cultural phenomenon. James Woods responds, yeah, who needs all this winning and job opportunities? Why, Beto plays the guitar. (laughs) All right, so they they want this guy to so badly be the next John Kennedy. Oh, totally. It's hilarious. I never heard of no Robert Francis O'Rourke being a Latino. Uh, that's I like, don't care if you want to call himself Beto, like our dear... Awesome Senate candidate. Senate candidate, Kevin DeLeon. Are you saying that he would not be singled out as a young child? I'm saying he has as much... Uh, <laughs> I'm saying he has as much indigenous blood in him as it lives with Warren, you know, just saying One, that. one thousand and twenty-fourth. All right, thanks for listening. New episodes every Wednesday, 8 a.m. they drop. Apple iTunes, Google Store. Thanks, everybody. Tell a friend to burn it all 